Hello everyone, I'm John Pataki and welcome to Best One Since the Next One, the podcast that dives deeper than the metaphors and abominations book of haiku into pop culture, film and TV franchises and the fandoms they inspire. Today we are going back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe to dive into one of their spooky season offerings and also discuss the season finale of She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. And we're bringing them back. We're also going to talk about the new Bruce Springsteen single, The Night Shift. <laughs> It's Paul Jaisley from I Read Comic Books, everybody. It's good to be back, John. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on to talk about uh, She-Hulk again. I really enjoyed our last conversation about that. Um, I, I'll save my thoughts about World for Night prone to get to them. But uh, it's good to be back and uh, talk about MCU stuff with you again. Thanks for yeah, having me absolutely. back. Absolutely. absolutely. How do you feel about the new Bruce Springsteen song, <laughs> the Bruce Springsteen cover of The Night Shift? <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll get back to you on that. That hasn't quite hit my ear, ear, uh, hit my ears yet, so... That's a whole, we'll have to start a whole different podcast for that. Not even the same, <laughs> under the same feed. Um, Fair enough. I mean, Bruce Springsteen's it might have an even more rabid fan base than MCU when you really think about it. So that's true. It's perfect that's true. fodder for this podcast. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people like wearing blazers uh, and jeans in the MCU too. I feel like so <laughs> a lot of crossover there. Yeah. Today we're talking about Werewolf by Night, the uh, Marvel special presentation that came out on uh October 7th, I believe. So it's been a bit, but we're finally getting the time to talk about it. Um, we also want to talk about, obviously, the She-Hulk Attorney at Law finale and all of its wacky glory. And um, later, I think we'll be joined by another special guest for that. So we're going to start off, you know, Werewolf by Night, directed by Michael Giacchino. I'm trying to correct my habit. I always call him Michael Giacchino and, like, pronounce every <laughs> possible syllable in there, but it's Giacchino. Yeah, starring uh, Gail Garcia Bernal as Jack Russell slash the werewolf by night. I didn't realize that the main character's name was Jack Russell and he's a dog man. (laughs) We get it. We get it. Um, Laura Donnelly as Elsa Bloodstone, Harriet Sansom as Verusa Bloodstone, Verusa Bloodstone, the legendary Kirk Thatcher as Joban, Eugenie Bondurant as Azrael, Leonard Lamb as Leorn, Dan, Daniel J. Watts as Barrasso. I don't know who those three last three people are, but that's okay. (laughs) Are you aware of Kirk Thatcher? Uh, No, I don't recognize that name. He's one of the part of the creature shop for like Return of the Jedi, uh, oh, okay. things like that, and like worked on that. But he's also, are you familiar with Star Trek? Yeah, he's in Star Trek for the Voyage Home. He's the punk rock dude on the bus oh. with him. Um, right, right, right. That's the same guy. We, we caught him on a panel with the hosts of Blast Points Star Wars podcast at Celebration Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim, and he's a real oh. wild dude, a real, real Captain Lou Albano energy from him. So. Yeah, so you know the character is obviously based on a character that first appeared in Marvel Comics. Well, Archer Comics before that, when Marvel was taking off, was introduced again in 1972, February 1972, in Marvel Spotlight number two, uh, based on an idea by Roy Thomas. Um, interesting also to note that the character Moon Knight made his first appearance in Werewolf by Night 32 in 1975. So um, I'll have some follow up questions about that later for you if if you're still with if you're still with us. Here's the rundown of what happens in Werewolf by Night. Following the death of Ulysses Bloodstone, five experienced monster hunters, including Jack Russell, are summoned by Ulysses' widow, Verusa to Bloodstone Manor, where they are to participate in a competitive hunt to determine who will wield the all-powerful Bloodstone. Ulysses' estranged daughter, Elsa, also arrives to compete for the Bloodstone, despite Verusa warning her against doing so. The hunt begins in a large maze on the grounds of the manor with a captured monster that has been implanted with the bloodstone as the hunter's quarry. Following an encounter with Elsa, Russell finds the monster, Ted slash Man-Thing, a friend that Russell was searching for and intended to rescue while Elsa fights and kills 
one of the other hunters. Uh, Rossal leaves Ted to carry out his escape plan and reunites with Elsa while she was hiding in a mausoleum. The two agree to work together to free Ted and obtain the Bloodstone. Ted kills another of the hunters, and Russell destroys the outer wall of the maze so they can escape. Ted flees into the forest after Elsa removes the Bloodstone from him. However, the Bloodstone reacts violently to Russell's touch, indicating that he is in fact a monster as well. Marusa captures Russell and Elsa, places them in a cage, and uses the Bloodstone to trigger Russell's transformation into his werewolf form. Instead of killing Elsa, as Marusa intended, the werewolf breaks the cage and slaughters her guards, only for her to subdue him using the Bloodstone. Elsa also escapes, kills the two remaining hunters, and stops Verusa from killing the werewolf. The werewolf attacks Elsa, but spares her upon recognizing her, and leaves the manor. A furious Verusa tries to kill Elsa once more, but is incinerated by Ted, who then leaves to find Russell, while Elsa takes possession of the manor and the bloodstone. The next day, Russell awakens in the forest in his human form with Ted slash Man-Thing watching over him, and is pleased to learn that Elsa is safe and that there's a sushi restaurant nearby. Pretty short and sweet. Run, I think it clocked in something like 54 minutes. Really straightforward to the point, like homage to horror storytelling. I just want to ask you, Paul, what did you think of Werewolf by Night? I didn't care for it. I'm really surprised uh, that I didn't. After hearing you and so many other people I know like really talk about how much they enjoyed it and how fun it was and how you know unique and sort of different from typical MCU fare it was, but it just didn't quite work for me. And uh, I don't know. I was kind of surprised. I, I love the idea of them doing these sort of short one-hour one shots. I like them trying to try something different, but it really didn't feel all that different to me aside from that weird black and white Instagram filter that they put over it. It just didn't, it kind of just looked and felt exactly like every other MCU thing I've ever seen. So hmm. I was kind of underwhelmed by it, honestly. And it seems like uh, you had a very op- opposite response, John. Yeah, I really, lo- I really loved it. I thought it was a blast. Um, I was surprised that I liked it as much as I did considering our conversation about the MCU last time. Um, I really right, enjoyed right. The score, I really thought Gal Garcia Bernal was really great. Um, yeah, Laura Donnelly is also Bloodstone. I can't. I hope we get more of her, and obviously, I hope we get more of uh, of Man Thing in the MCU because that was great, a, a, a treat and a surprise to see him. Man Thing has sort of a, a background as like what came first, the Swamp Thing or the Man Thing. I don't know if you have any insight into that, Paul, but I think Man Thing came first, right? I don't know exactly. Um, I mean, Swamp Thing's far more popular so i guess if that sure. counts for anything i guess you know um a man thing is one of those characters that i i know exists but i kind of read nothing about sure. so yeah i couldn't really say that's kind of the same thing with this whole endeavor is mm-hmm. i cannot claim to know anything at all about werewolf by night the comic i don't have right. a, i don't have that much of a deep cut like comics lore in me um so i think maybe that's why part of why i liked it so much is because i just was here to ch- like punch in and punch out at the end of it. And by the end, I really, I really enjoyed kind of the, the goofy like twist of it that Gal Garcia Barnell was in there to save the monsters mm-hmm. as opposed to kill him. I like, I like any kind of um, meeting of the hunters scenario. So I think that really scored it a lot of points too. It reminded me of like an old Buffy episode where they had like a gathering Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode where they had a gathering of the hunters. It was very similar to this minus the, as you said, the Instagram Instagram filter over it. I really liked the black and white aspect of it. I thought I thought it really worked that really high contrast black and white, especially in the scene where they're closing the um, like the blast door or whatever. And it's that brightly lit outside while he's just like slaughtering people. And we got some, some, some blood in the MCU as well, which is relatively violent for being uh, an MCU entry. So. Yeah. And I, well, the thing is, I, I think that um, there were a few moments, especially at the beginning 
uh, when they kind of set everything up that I think there's some really good cinematography. I think uh, Giacchino does make a good use of that sort of homage to the Universal Monster movies. Like there are some really nice shots in it, but I kind of felt like the black and white didn't. I wanted it to be a little more crisp. It kind of looked muddy to me. And I don't know if that's just maybe the settings on my TV or what, but it kind of didn't quite click for me um, during a lot of the action scenes. And I felt like after that initial setup, which I did like uh, when it just becomes like a bunch of like somewhat poorly staged fight scenes for like sure. 20 minutes, I kind of like lost interest. And then, you know, as you're running down the cast and naming the characters, I didn't remember the names of any of these characters. They, just, <laughs> they do nothing. And then at the end, they get killed by this werewolf. And like, so I guess I just didn't quite find it nearly as sort of fun or engaging as uh, everyone else in the world seems to have. So maybe the maybe says more about me than, than the show itself. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think that's I think that's a fair criticism. It did. It did kind of peter off to me when the action scene started happening, because yeah. the transformation scene is really well done and really cool. Yes. And I'm so glad they went with just practical, uh, like hokey makeup version of a werewolf um i'm mm-hmm. really glad they went with that because you know like the cg for a man thing i thought looked great but i'm not sure how well that would have held up for like a, a cg version of a werewolf and it was just plus it's obviously playing into the spirit of like that old like hammer horror bella lugosi style horror movie i thought it really worked but um you know i did that was probably that was probably my favorite scene was the transformation scene um and that that fight in the hallway, I, I don't know if it was a, as effective as it, as it could have been. Like, I liked the way it was lit, as you mentioned earlier, as there's sort of like you look down the hallway and you see like the door closing and kind of changes the light and stuff. But the way it was shot, also, you didn't really get a very good look at the werewolf itself. Like, I just felt like it was, felt like everything, the action was very far away from the camera in a weird way. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of distracting to me. Um Again, you can't have a Marvel uh, TV show or movie about magic unless the magic is somehow just someone shooting an energy beam at somebody else. So, like the when she uses the bloodstone just to shoot energy beam at somebody, that's all. Uh, that's all you see, right? I did check out a book of magic from the library to learn like <laughs> how to do card tricks, and it just taught me how to shoot blasts out of my hands. Oh, okay. I guess that's what that's what magic is. Pretty, it's accurate. Yeah. So I really love the score as well. Obviously, uh, Michael Giacchino is like well known for his scores throughout the years you know starting with big time with lost and you know obviously scores so much in the mcu a lot of the pixar movies the star trek films etc etc um i really enjoyed the werewolf by night theme i thought it was a great Mm -hmm. homage to like those the old horror tropes of the old horror movies um the thing about werewolf by night is like there's not a ton to talk about with it because it's like (laughs) it's just kind of in and out it's not overtly connected to anything but Mm -hmm. i do have a couple of questions about that for you um, sure. So, you know, we we seem, seemingly randomly introduced Moon, Moon Knight into the MCU. Like there's really there was really no need to do that story wise no, for anything no. going on. And no matter where you fall on on Moon Knight as a series, like introducing him is kind of cool to get like Oscar Isaac in uh, Marvel and hopefully to come back at that and get another crack at it. Because I don't think either of us really loved. But yeah, his, like I said earlier, his first appearance was in Werewolf by Night comic. So I'm wondering if they're planting the seeds for some sort of like Midnight Suns situation. I don't know how familiar you are with the Midnight Suns, probably a little bit more so than me. But I'm not super familiar with that that aspect of Marvel, honestly. So Yeah, I've read a few of the, the, the comics just because I'm a fan of like the monster element of Marvel. Um, yeah. And it's cool that we got... I want to talk a little bit about, about like the intro of the of like they show like the Avengers on that tapestry, and they're like 
that's all happening up, up top with, you know, here there be monsters, you know, below. I thought that was a really clever intro for it. And I just, I appreciate the fact that like just monsters exist in the MCU now. <laughs> I think that's really <laughs> funny. Like if you think about it in terms of like Iron Man in the cave in the first Iron Man movie, and it's like, that's all there was and people know about, but like, were there monsters the whole time? You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just really funny that, that just all these different elements of the Marvel universe are kind of coming out of the woodwork and they have to find all these ways to shoehorn them in now because they're like, well, they weren't, they weren't there at the beginning. I don't really know why they weren't, you know, and that's, that's a big thing with like the X-Men approaching and things like that. So the multiverse is carrying a lot of that weight, but well, yeah, and it just, I like the idea that it hints that there's something a lot bigger, it's a much bigger universe than just the Avengers. You know what I mean? I think, the the shows in general have been a, sort of a mixed bag in in hinting at that stuff, but overall, yeah. this might be the furthest we've gotten from yeah. the sort of you know superhero That's, genre. That being said, the the idea and the introduction of monsters makes me think that if we're gonna keep doing other team up side movies like Thunderbolts and you know obviously bring the Avengers movies back, um, mm-hmm. like a Midnight Suns movie, I I don't know, I think it'd be really fun. <laughs> I, I, Ghost Rider is one of those characters where I'm like. <laughs> Do I love Ghost Rider or do I hate Ghost Rider? I really don't know. Um, He's but, a character that exists almost per, on purpose to just be aesthetically cool. Like, I don't yeah, know how much cool inter- hell. how interesting he is beyond just looking awesome. A flaming skull guy wearing a leather jacket with a flame chain whip is like, it doesn't get much cooler than that. Um, exactly. So, you know, the original Midnight Suns lineup is the Daniel Ketch version of Ghost Rider and then Johnny Blaze, our guy Morbius, (laughs) which is like, don't think he's going to be in this version of Midnight Suns if there's a movie. Um, The Night Stalkers and then the Darkhold Redeemers. Obviously, the Darkhold introduced pretty heavily in Multiverse of Madness. Introduced, I'm not sure. Someone's probably like, no, technically it was introduced in, you know, also Bloodstone is in the comics is like the sole flyer of the Midnight Suns banner currently. I think they could put, they could like slam together a team of, if they introduce Ghost Rider again in, in some form, not Nicolas Cage probably, but like, I know that like Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling has expressed interest and said, if he's going to be a Marvel, he wants to play Ghost Rider. So I have a feeling it'll probably go to him if that's the case. Some sort of version of Midnight Suns with Ghost Rider and like Wong, and Elsa and Werewolf by Night and Moon Knight would be kind of fun. I don't know. I think, you know, obviously this this one hour special was designed more, I think, to introduce Elsa Moonstone than than Jack Russell, sure. <laughs> really. So it feels like of all the characters that survived the 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 show, she would be the one to kind of spin off and kind of fit more more cleanly into the rest of the MCU. So that that definitely makes sense. But yeah. You know, I, I think at a certain point, it's just if you're just throwing a bunch of characters in there, there's got to be a reason for it. And I'm not sure this, as as fun of a distraction as it might be, I don't know if Werewolf by Night really was a nice justification to have these characters come back at any point. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's true. I don't really know in what capacity because there hasn't been anything set up before to like really insert them into the story. But right. I don't. I thought everyone in there was competent enough to be in a a feature film eventually. So, I mean, <laughs> it would be fun to see. I mean, at the very end, we, you know, we get Jack slash werewolf by night and man thing, like just hanging out. And I was <laughs> like, I love these guys. <laughs> I was like, these. Like, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk more about this later in the episode, but there's this like Marvel's kind of on a hot streak of really amazing pairings that mm-hmm. really didn't click to me until I saw this and the like penultimate 
episode of she she hulk i almost said she wolf um <laughs> that's a shakira song give me more of werewolf man and like plant guy walking around I just, I, that's the kind of again dumb comic book shit that i i want i don't know it, that by far was the most the actual part of the show that was actually fun like as much as i kind of felt overall the werewolf by night special was kind of underwhelming like that last shot um of them just hanging out was probably the the, the one thing that i did enjoy the most um you know a little on the nose to be playing somewhere over the rainbow when the show switches from black and white to color it's like yeah they're laying it on pretty thick at that point so I didn't. I did not love that. No, you're right. Um, but I think in general, and I, I, I know we're kind of backtracking a little bit, but I, to me, like that, it speaks to like what I kind of found underwhelming in general about it, where it's like the idea that you're doing an homage to older horror films or uh, the Universal Monster type stuff. The show kept like just reminding me of that stuff rather than kind of standing on its own. It's like what's there's nothing actually scary or spooky about the special self, other than that reminds you about other movies that are more effectively spooky and scary sure you know so but were movies so I, were those movies spooky and scary back at, like are they spooky and scary now or are they just <laughs> trying to are they just trying to capture the camp and the fun of how spooky people thought they were back then you know, yeah like, i mean there i think the aesthetic is it's that that aesthetic has become sort of language for what a horror movie of a particular genre or style looks like and that's been right. kind of culturally or like pop that and in pop culture when you see shadows in a certain way and you hear like a music strike okay that signals like a horror stories but sure. on its own yeah maybe not as scary as uh you know these days as it was back in the 30s i think that's kind of my issue is like i didn't think there's anything particularly horrific or like a horror genre in the show itself other than its homages that makes sense i do th- you know it was, it was slightly more violent than most Marvel yeah. outings. There was there were moments in it that I just really loved. That I just thought it was like sure. it was just so breezy. And that's why I enjoyed it. I don't it, it could have gone south pretty quickly. And um, I, I think it, yeah. I think it I think it held its own. I think that in, in general the biggest positive is that they did do something that wasn't a two and a half hour two and a half hour long film. You know, it was like yeah. one and done. It was pretty breezy and I one of my criticisms is that there wasn't much there story wise, but that might also be a nice thing. We're just like here's something we didn't we're just kind of putting out there, seeing how people like it. And I'd like to see them do more of that stuff. I like to see a good way to introduce characters, even if they come back or not. There's like, you know, decades worth of characters and stories in the Marvel comics that could easily just do, instead yeah. of a whole franchise of films, a couple one hour shots like this. You know, like they used to do when after the uh when the Incredible Hulk TV show ended, they'd have those TV movies every once in a while that had sure. this character show up. So if they did something like that, I think that this is a good um omen to stick with the uh the spooky theme a good omen that they're uh they might try something like that again in the future i love it i i do think i i agree with that i think i think it's between this and she hulk i think they've pr- might have found an avenue for how to do the tv shows instead of connective sure. tissue but just kind of doing these like one shot situations like you're saying of just let's experiment on the streaming service and keep the continuous story for the screen not develop as major things on the TV shows as they have been trying to do. I mean, there's some pretty major things that happen in She-Hulk just like yeah. in like three seconds when you're like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess that's happening now. Overall, sounds like, Paul, you're pretty down on Werewolf by Night. I was, I was, I was up on it. I'm really glad. I'm glad people really enjoyed it. And I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad they tried something different with it. I don't know. Maybe next year we can get a uh, Tomb of Dracula one shot or, uh, you know, some, something else. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the thing too. Like, you remember like the dark universe that they were trying to put out with like they started it with Tom Cruise in the Mummy. Yeah, uh, maybe this is like them absorbing the uh, that idea and being like, "How dare you try to create another cinematic universe?" Like, is Marvel horror? Isn't horror? It's just horror-based characters doing superhero-type things in more recent comics, at least. I mean, there was all this like weird pulp horror throughout mm-hmm. all comics at that time. So maybe this is their attempt to kind of put that dark universe idea under their banner. So, and uh, and you hinted at it briefly, uh, but I remember you know picking up a collection of like all the really early appearances of Moon Knight. Uh, so I was trying to figure out what was so interesting about that character. And like the, again, the first couple of issues you read is him fighting uh, Jack Russell, Werewolf by Night. I was like, give me that TV show. You know, <laughs> give me, I, I don't want to hear about a bunch of like old uh, Egyptian gods and mummies and crap. Give me some uh, werewolf fights. So Ooh, maybe that can I, finally happen. There's a lot of stuff in Moon Knight that's really wild, like fighting werewolves in space and things like that. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think there's, there's room to go even more wild with maybe werewolf by night is the way into that. So that's it for werewolf by night. Next, we're talking She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. We talked about you know the series briefly together, but also probably missed the, one of the best Marvel episodes of TV ever. We'll talk more about the finale in a second, but maybe we can touch briefly on Ribbit and Rip It, the episode before <laughs> the finale. I just kind of wanted to talk about that episode of TV in terms of like how comic booky and fun it felt. And, and introducing Daredevil, who's a character I love, is I'm just so happy to have him back. I think Charlie Cox is great. I think he's a fantastic Matt Murdock. What did you think of that episode? I thought it was great. And um, I, I guess I'll take this uh, small moment to plug the I Read Comic Books podcast because our most recent episode, episode 345, I believe, that came out sure. last week, uh, we did talk about She-Hulk in general and this episode in particular. So uh, I might be repeating myself if you listen to both shows, but um, I thought it was kind of a perfect example of how you can use the TV show format to mimic the feel of an actual Marvel comic. Like this felt that episode felt like when you're reading a sort of mid tier Marvel comic and you have a team up issue when like Matt Murdock just shows up in She-Hulk and didn't feel cheap. It didn't feel like they, like we're going to hint at something they'll pay off later. They actually had a full episode together and it was such a satisfying change of pace. I thought I really, really enjoyed that episode because of that. It was fantastic. I mean, the, crackling energy between matt and jen him arriving in like the classic gold daredevil suit well muted gold and maroon let's uh, i mean there there is a joke when she she compares it to being mustard and ketchup i'm like i gotta check those eyes jen because that is not red and and yellow (laughs) i thought this i thought the suit looked great i thought it looked really cool um especially for how goofy it could look but um their energy was so fantastic together I really just, I loved that introduction. The Me Daredevil too. walk of shame was incredible. I think it was a good way to uh, have that character show up and feel different than people expected. You know, if it had just been the same character from the Netflix show, it would not have fit in with the overall tone of She-Hulk. Plus it hints that him moving from New York and being in, uh, where is it, San Diego, wherever the show takes place, like a shift in his tone as well, a shift in his personality 
physically and you know personal by coastal he's the it's coastal elite <laughs> version of daredevil and once again just bringing in just some like low level uh throwaway marvel character is like the main crux of the sh- of the episode sure. um, in yeah. leapfrog um I, I, you know it's just a, a stroke of genius one of the most fun episodes of marvel tv so far just like a great episode all around but if you want to talk about some real wild stuff with She-Hulk. We got to talk about the finale. Whose show is this? And we're bringing in our friend Jenny Krantz to talk about that as well. Welcome, Jenny. Hey. Hello. Hello. I, I love that the first thing I heard when I came on was Daredevil's Walk of Shame. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah. He's, I love that he had to carry his boots. Like, there's no reason he had to carry his boots, really. But, like, welcome. How are you? Hey, good. Thank you for having me. I'm Excited. I'm excited. I loved the show, so I'm I'm excited to talk about it. Absolutely. And it's I'm I'm glad to have you on because I knew like, you know, certain people in our circles that are like and we're just like not really in on, on She Hulk. And it's like I know Paul was in because we've done an episode and we were both said we loved it. You know, we we'd been talking about how how good it is and kind of predicting the finale. Jenny, was the was the finale was the finale anything like you predicted it was going to be? <laughs> I mean, I just thought it was funny because, like, I, John and I were messaging literally the week before, and I was, I literally said in the chat, I was like, oh my God, like, I love this penultimate episode, but I always love that second to last episode. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, they're going to screw it up, you know, with the finale, like they always do. And he's like, well, I don't know. Like, they're pretty self aware. And this, I, and even though I knew that, I didn't think they would go this far with it. Right. I didn't. It was like exactly what you said, basically. And I was, I was so, so pleasantly surprised i have not i i was giddy like i was actually audibly laughing and smiling at the screen which i can't remember the last time you know i did that with the marvel i've enjoyed pretty much all the marvel things i'm still i'm still kind of in it even if i feel a little fatigued sure um but this one was so refreshing and i i loved how far they took it they, they took it pretty much as far as you possibly could paul what were your thoughts on the the she hulk finale i thought it was great um i'm glad it didn't end up in the uh predictable you know superhero punch him up that it was uh heading towards and i feared it would turn into i'm glad they took it in a very different direction i really appreciate them completely obliterating the fourth wall completely after you know doing it <laughs> a few times match. throughout the season Oh yeah, it's completely gone. Um, we can uh, unpack this a little bit later on, but I think as fun as I, I I thought it was, I wonder if they sacrificed having a satisfying conclusion to the show's uh, plot lines just to have a really fun finale like that. You know what I mean? Okay. It's like like Jen gets everything she wants, and they even might kind of make a point by like literally in the show pointing it out. Like you don't usually have a female character. Uh, with agency getting everything they want at the end of the of a story, especially in Marvel, mm-hmm. but we don't actually get to see Jen uh, do much. She's asked for what she wants and she gets it, and then the police show up and arrest the bad guys, and that's kind of the conclusion. So, as fun as it was, I'm not sure taken as a whole as a part of the whole season how satisfying a conclusion that is as much as i enjoyed it so i'm of two minds on it i guess is what i'm trying to say i think that's fair to a point i think we should go through the episode itself and we can discuss between the three of us what we think about the ending specifically so yeah after an incredible uh recreation of the lou ferrigno hulk tv show opening which was like out of control amazing mark ruffalo and bell bottoms amazing like (laughs) practical effects 
of uh, of She-Hulk. I actually kind of liked it better in a way. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, after that's incredible, complete shot for shot recreation of the old 70s TV show. Jen wakes up in a damage control cell and is released uh, from custody after hulking out at the female lawyer of the year gala that turned out to be a trap, but is forced to wear an inhibitor to prevent her from transforming and loses her job at GLK and H. Nikki and Pug, I mean, special VIP shout out to Nikki and Pug. I really love these characters. I think they need to bring them back as much as possible. Nikki and Pug infiltrate an intelligentsia event where they learn that Todd Phelps is Hulk King and Blonsky as the Abomination is serving as a motivational speaker. Jenny, what do you think that the Abomination's speaker fee is? How much do you think they paid him to show up? I mean, maybe they just offered him another girlfriend, another wife. <laughs> An eighth muse, yeah. And it's great that he's the host because it's like another like red herring, like, oh, maybe he's in charge of wrangling everybody together. But he's just like, no, I'm just here to, to speak and plug my haiku book and that's I'm good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Jen Walters arrives at the event and confronts Todd, who injects himself with her blood and transforms into a Hulk himself. After Titania and uh, Bruce unexpectedly and just completely randomly and out of, out of nowhere appear in the ensuing fight, Bruce just like blasts through the wall and is like, hey, I'm here now. Titania does the same thing. A confused Jen destroys her inhibitor and completely smashes down the fourth wall, stops the show, calls like the Zach Morris timeout and climbs out of the She-Hulk window in the Disney Plus menu and climbs over into the Marvel Studios assembled like behind the scenes documentary where she like fights her way through the Marvel hallways and things like that. I guess that reception, like the person, like the uh, the receptionist or like the person in admin there was the actual administrative assistant for the Marvel offices. So that's pretty fun. Oh, I was wondering uh, about that. Yeah. If like all the writers and the people, if that was like people playing themselves or yeah. those were. All the writers, the writer's room was the writer's room. So I thought that was pretty clever and really fun. Eventually she comes into a, a room that reminded me very much of like the architect's room in the matrix reloaded where she comes face to face with Kevin K E V I N knowledge enhanced visual interconnectivity nexus an artificial intelligence that claims to be in charge of the Marvel cinematic universe's storyline decisions and persuades it to rewrite the finale to which it reluctantly agrees. This part was incredible. I thought, you know, I was so on board with the show and its story choices and how it was presenting itself and like breaking that fourth wall that I think this was really earned and really fun. Signing the NDA was cracking me up that like everyone signs the NDA, like, and it's like 800 pages long. Um, Really funny. Um, What was, what were your favorite parts in this part of the show? I loved Kevin's hat. Uh, by the it's way, the little, the little baseball hat. Um, although I did hear some people say it was kind of a missed opportunity not having Kevin Feige do the voice of him, mm-hmm. um, which is what I would have expected. Um, also, okay, I didn't notice this until I just was rewatching it before the show. Um, but did you notice when he when he's like, oh, act, you know, can you, you know, you got don't be She-Hulk anymore because it's too expensive, and then he's yeah. like, wait. Do the transmission out, out off screen, you know, our budgets are going to something else. Did you notice there was a second they go to the little Wakanda sound? The yeah, those drums in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't catch that the first time, <laughs> and I was super excited about it. Um, I was, like, I actually, I felt like this was very, like, I get, I totally understand that um, perspective. That, yeah, like, then she gets back, and it's just kind of all over. But I don't know. Like, I was very satisfied like this. Like, she literally punched through and crawls through and makes her own 
ending, you know, the, the whole, if the whole kind of arc of hers is kind of finding her own agency and, you know, controlling her own story, that's what she got to do. And it's, you know, I, I don't know. I, I was just, I was so caught off guard and delighted with this that like, I didn't even, I didn't even care. And plus like the, the ending of them all having lunch, I was just so happy to see Daredevil happy. <laughs> Matt Murdock deserves to smile and just like, oh my God, he's just, he's so happy. He deserves that. He deserves a little picnic suburbs. <laughs> like I was just, oh, look at his smile. And nice it was like <laughs> i'm re-watching the daredevil netflix series right now and i'm like oh i like this matt um i don't know i just thought everything was so satisfying although like i totally understand that like it was a little bit like okay well we're just done here i guess um mm-hmm. but it did so much that was different that i didn't mind it paul yeah i agree i agree with that again i that my criticism is is uh um you know, it's, it's, I don't think that ruins the show. Like, again, I really enjoyed everything about it. Yeah. Um, uh, special shout out to Loki, not the character Loki, but Loki, best <laughs> character in the show. Jen's dad, played by of course, Cousin Larry, Mark Lynn Baker. It's so good. I love the parents. The dad is so good. Everyone gets arrested sometimes. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, just a treasure love seeing mark lynn baker show up in anything so that was a treat um again all the all the stuff with her breaking the fourth wall shattering it completely like you said it was totally earned and i john you already mentioned this but i'll I'll reiterate it the the practical effects in the opening sequence i was like boy i wish they would have done that more often in the actual show because i thought it looked really good uh instead of just relying on cgi all the time so like the little details i'm just surprised that they really nailed those little details like that so well um yeah. and everything that was done is it, it was quick you know it was fun uh you get caught up in the moment and it's only afterwards that when i really thought about it i was like well yes she 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 realizes her agency she gets to demand what she wants on her own terms and that's great and again i think that's a really smart way to kind of tie a lot of the bigger themes of the show together but at the same time it's like okay then what was the whole storyline about them trying to steal her blood that ends up going nowhere you know, it was and, supposed to go over there, Paul. She mentioned sure. she's like, get rid of it. Like it's shoehorned in. We didn't need oh, it. Oh, right. Okay. And I, I yeah. think it was like a I think it was like a retroactive joke. Cause you go back and you watch those episodes and you're like, oh, this is like my least favorite part of this is like the 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 blood plot line. And it's yeah. like, oh, okay, and that makes sense why? Because it's part of the in joke of the, the finale. I, I still think it's true because like in lesser lesser hands i think it could have gone really poorly and seemed like a waste of time in that regard mm-hmm. so i see i see your your criticism i see your point there but i think that uh you know showrunner jessica jessica Zhao, like she wrote i think every episode the point of view of the show never changed once i want to get through and read this just just for my own <laughs> my own like completionist brain i got to read the last paragraph of the summary because otherwise what was my time for you guys you know but yeah, returning to her own show, she finds Phelps and Blonsky have been arrested um, while celebrating with her family and uh, Matt Murdock. <laughs> Bruce Banner just returns from Scar and is like, oh, also, here's Scar. Giant setup for the Marvel Universe in like two seconds. And he looks really goofy and really funny, but um, <laughs> shows up at, like the Fast and the Furious cookout and is like, hey, guys, he's part of the family now, too. So, you know, she regains, you know, Jen regains her job after being cleared of all charges uh, and she vows to continue her work as a lawyer and a superhero. Uh, and then, you know, Wong in the mid credit scene, uh, female lawyer yeah. in, in a mid credit scene, Wong 
uh, once again breaks Blonsky out of prison and takes him to Camartage. Uh, the end. Flash the Georgia Peach logo. Um, <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. I really think that, you know, the whole crux of this episode was that fourth wall breaking moment. And my my response, Paul, to like what I liked about that ending specifically, mm-hmm. and I know I'm, I, I understand what you're saying about it, but I think the idea that the villain wasn't, Todd or intelligentsia, it was Mm -hmm. people saying that she was lesser. It's misogyny and not Mm -hmm. stolen powers or stolen super superheroes, uh, like super soldier serum, um, et cetera. So I I think just the fact that everything does just kind of end up happy. It's like brings it down to like just a really personal stake. She says that she says, you know, the, the, the stakes aren't world ending. They're like, the stakes are, the stakes are mine. Right. And I think that's a really powerful message to put in the most like populist entertainment possible at this point is like having Jen, this whole, this whole show exists to say that like a, a woman is enough, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Yeah. I think that that's a good point. And I think um, uh, any other uh, actor would not be able, able to pull that off as well. I think so much of what makes the show work rests on uh, uh, Tatiana Maslany's performance um because yes. she she does it so effort, effortlessly um oh, and like so good. she's so good and i think maybe maybe the thing is like i'm so conditioned to see everything through the sort of formulaic episodic um rhythms of a uh, of a tv show that it's like when it's just stated bluntly that that's what the show's about it's like wait that doesn't compute because i don't expect it to be that obvious you know what I mean? So I kind of I kind of appreciate that uh, you putting it that way, John. Where it's like the show isn't about her fighting supervillains; it's about her, you know, becoming more confident and battling against sort of the societal norms she's expected to function in. And that's all great, and I like that it's it's just stated bluntly. There's it's not ambiguous really at the end, and that's really really satisfying to see in a way. Jenny, thoughts on the on the culmination of the of the the message of the whole series? I agree that Tatiana Maslany like she's so much of what sells it. Like I binge watched orphan black and I mean, she is incredible in that portraying five characters. So it's like, I had no doubt that she'd be able to, you know, she'd be perfect for the kind of the she Hulk and the, you know, and herself. And um, I, I loved it. I loved the, you know, like I love the second to last episode too, how she starts, you know, even around daredevil, like she starts shrinking back down, I don't even want to say shrinking, like, you know, becoming more comfortable being Jen and the synthesis of those, you know, of those two personas. And yeah, I mean, I think it, I think I wouldn't want it to end any other way than her just getting everything she wanted because it's like, like she says, she's like, you want me to be fridged? Is that what you guys want? Like, like, I feel like you guys want me to be hurt and go through a lot of pain and suffering and have to like work really. It's like that whole, like, you know, the Ray, the every, you know, it's like if the woman's not earning it, the Captain Marvel, she's not paying for it in blood and we don't see all the training and everything on screen, then she's not earned it. And I kind of <laughs> liked it there. She just, oh. that's fine. She can just get, you know. Um, Absolutely. I would say the only thing, my only critique would be I really wanted Madison to show back up. Me too. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, we needed more Wong and Madison. I would have preferred Madison to show up rather than Titania. That was kind of, I guess, my one. I mean, again, like I didn't mind Titania showing up in the finale because that was the joke, you know. They're just throwing mm-hmm. a bunch of shit at the wall. But I, I really, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I was, I didn't. I found Titania's character a little 
com- confusing, but um... yeah, I think so too. I think she was very confusing as well. I I like I liked her for what she was in her episode. Uh, her consistent presence throughout the series was really confusing, but I do I do agree where it's like it wasn't unsuccessful to have them just kind of show up and kind of go off the rails story wise, but. I think it would have just worked even better if like, you know, Madison showed up and everyone from the law firm showed up and just like everyone in the whole show just kind of showed up all at once. Um, it, it, it worked as it was, but I, I agree where it's like, it could have just been that much better had, you know, everyone just appeared at the same time. I will say too, one, one thing I also like, I don't, okay. Kind of similar to what I liked about black widow movie how you know i know a lot of people were like disappointed black wit because the taskmaster taskmaster kind of was a letdown order but it's like no the real villain the scariest guy there is drakeoff and i'm telling when she walked into that to the the seminar even though it was a comedy i i was i was actually afraid sure i was like i know it's not that kind of show but man like i I sometimes spend too much time on TikTok and the the threads, the the videos, the comments section. I mean, man, this show really nailed the kind of incel creepy. But it is terrifying. Like when she walked in there, I was genuinely like, oh, my God, like, get out, get get out. get. Why are you? just No, don't just like like it was terrifying. Like, I think that's a great viewpoint to bring in. And, and, you know, if Paul, Paul and I were just here talking about this i don't think that would have even registered you know there there was a sense of unease but you know like i can i can absolutely see that especially with like how they set up intelligentsia as like what nikki's like just like a bunch of dumb men <laughs> posting online i just love how blunt that was and it's like funny not funny that the, the one of the the key jokes was that like you can tell someone intelligentsia because they call uh, women females and it's like that's yeah. just so how many times have you just seen some weirdo commenting on some like some post that was like meant to be inspiring about like you know body image and things like that it was like i don't understand females and it's like well you sound like a fucking robot man right now like so <laughs> yeah again i spent too much time on tiktok and it, it's i was so curious though like i've actually been going back trying to find some of these toxic guys videos because i'm I'm just like do they when they watch this do they know do they know that that's them do they see themselves in those characters like do they know they're making being made fun of do they get or is it i i don't know i'm so curious i i think those guys just lack any self-awareness period and that's why they are the way they are so um (laughs) jenny you brought up a great point about like i thought about ray i thought about you know, Black Widow, you know, like the whole like reason for Todd doing what he was doing is like a woman doesn't randomly deserve to just like stumble onto these powers. It's supposed to go to the right person. And it's like, who is the right person? The right person is the person that wields them with like clarity and the ability to go forward and use them for, for good and to help others and themselves with it. And I I think that was like all the goofy stuff that happens throughout the series. It's like, the, ep- the episode where she goes and she talks and like porcupine is there and um like blade's son is there <laughs> and like she's like going through it and it's like she she transforms back into jen and she's just like it's about her coming to terms she rejects she hulk form at first and then by the end of it she's embraced both sides of herself because yeah. no one no one everyone would just wanted she hulk no one wanted jen but then she meets you know matt who's blind and can't see her and just 
obviously just appreciates her for who she is. So that's a perfect pairing. And I like, also, oh, sorry, no, go no, ahead. go, no, go, go for it. Well, I loved, I loved, loved too that they brought in freaking Matt Murdock because I feel like within this, you know, these the toxic bros. Like, I mean, Daredevil is like, I mean, everyone loves Daredevil. I'm not saying he's, but he's kind of considered, you know, like a cool fucking character because because yeah. he is but he also like on his show he's a little slutty like he's kind of a you know he, he gets around and so i thought him being that she hooks up with was also kind of pointed the fact because i don't i don't think i've ever heard one of these dudes make a comment about daredevil netflix show how how many women he hooks up with or whatever yeah, and yeah. like the great focus. point so i thought he was such the perfect character to pull into this like I don't know. Charlie Cox is just so freaking good. Like you yeah. can't mess with him. Even, even some of the criticisms, even some of the, the, you know, takes I've seen the people that didn't like this show or was like, Oh no. And, and even though they said like, Oh, he's, you know, he's different than the Netflix. Daredevil, they still were kind of begrudgingly like, yeah, but Charlie Cox, man, like yeah. still good. Like yeah. you, he's untouchable. Like he's so good. Mm-hmm. I don't like, he's, you know, even, even people that were that I, you know, I thought would have a problem with it were still like, no, he's pretty cool. So I just I thought that was so perfect to even strong, more strongly highlight like that, the way she's uh, like with her privacy violated like that and like her dating, you know, being used against her. And then it's like Matt Murdock is like the same he gets around and it's celebrated, you know, and it's, it's not a big deal with his character. Yeah. He's a stud that double standard. Absolutely. And I love that. That's the thing that, you know, she says from the get go that she has a lot of trouble. Uh, she has a lot of uh, practice with managing her anger. And that's why she just understands how to be a Hulk right away, which I think is still one of the, yeah. like the funniest aspects of the show. It's so great. And like, I think that probably fired up these, like she doesn't have any training guys. Where oh, it's like, what is it? Yeah. What have you ever cared about that? What if like, <laughs> I, yeah, Luke, Luke Skywalker's training in star Wars is like doing a handstand with some rocks and he's <laughs> yeah. supposed to be like, yeah. you know, space Jesus pretty much. Like, he's just like, I don't, I don't know where that, where that mentality comes from that like, they need the training. Like they need to have, uh, I don't know. Eight year old Anakin races and then takes down the entire, yeah. you know, he needs the- army. Luke, Luke gets one 15 minute lesson from Obi-Wan and shoots womp rats back home and takes down the freaking death star. Yeah. It's fine. But Ray, we, I, I, it, it, ugh, it's yeah. like, no, it's disgusting. Can't. It's I, so stupid. It's also like Captain Marvel too. Like, I don't know. Like I get the criticisms too, of her being too powerful and stuff, but I think also I saw some similarities where like in Captain Marvel, her character girl, her story, it's, it's because it's an, it's, you know, it's, it's her, you know, again, like finding her own personal power, recalling her memories, recalling, like, I just think that it, the, the story is her own personal journey. It's not about her physical, like, I don't know. I'm losing. Yeah. yeah, I I know what you're saying. It's not about her, her ultimate power. It's about her coming to terms with herself and where she's at in her life. Like, yeah, it's, it's metaphorical power. It's not uh, energy beams. And it's about, again, like self agency. And that's like a common theme. I think it is very relatable to a lot of women like that. Oh, that that last scene where she, you know, where, uh, what's his name jude laws you know trying to bait her and she just like she was just like i have nothing to prove to you yeah that's like such a big you know everything is so focused on the fact that you know that her, her space powers and her yeah, i don't know 
you could say she's just a girl in the world and that's all that anybody will ever let her be. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, it's like that with She-Hulk. Like it's like this, you know, it's the powers are just kind of a, I don't know. The story is about, is about her. You know? Yeah. The powers are secondary to the experience and the journey. Yeah. Paul, any final thoughts on She-Hulk? Um, I was very pleasantly surprised, thankfully for the show. Um, the series, this uh, season in general, like I, was not expecting to like the show at all. Again, I, I think I talked about this last time I was on the show, John, that I love Jennifer Walters as a character. I love She-Hulk as a character. Mm-hmm. I was not confident they would do it right, and they they totally did. I, I'm hoping that they bring her back, although once you open that Deus Ex Machina door at the final episode, <laughs> not sure what you can do in a second season. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I was, like I said, overall, no complaints, really. Uh, my, my, my criticisms are minor because, in general, I thought they kind of nailed exactly what I like about that character. And did it in a really fun and expected way. So two thumbs up for me. Great. For She-Hulk. How about you, Jenny? Final thoughts on She-Hulk? Oh, yeah. I I also, I, I wasn't sure what to make of it either. Like, I've, I've read, like, I have one of the kind of comic collections, the, like, Charles, Charles Soule. And yep. um, mm-hmm. so I... I knew I figured it would be fun, but I didn't really I didn't know what to expect because like I've I've gotten kind of like I will watch it's like take my money I'll watch all the Marvel projects but I I I find myself less invested in them like I kind of put them on the background and this one I just I found genuinely so delightful and enjoyable and fun and refreshing that it actually has re-energized me and actually made me excited again for the direction of the MCU because where I was almost kind of getting bored with like. You know, I'm excited for Black Panther, and that's mm-hmm. kind of it. And now I'm like, okay, I'm sort of I'm in again because if they're gonna do this, you know, that differently and be this brave with it, I'm I'm you know too you know well played. I'm I'm sticking with it. Marvel being you know self-effacing enough to know their shortcomings is yeah. a sign of how just popular and beloved and well known this the series is in general. The MCU, not She-Hulk. I don't think right. the, the reviews for She-Hulk have been up and down, but um, <laughs> I think that when it comes down to it, like the ending is this really bizarrely brave departure from the norm um, in a way that takes themselves down pretty viciously in terms of like current context when they make that joke about um, transform off screen, the visual effects department has already moved on. It's, it's, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. This was filmed, I think two years ago, and it was before all of the the hubbub with um, all of Marvel's problems with their visual effects houses. So they kept it in. So it was a pretty cutting joke at their own expense. Um, yeah. Which, you know, there there is probably an argument for them like having their cake and eating it too. But serve me some more of this cake because I really enjoyed it. <laughs> when the trailer came out, people were hating on it pretty aggressively, and I was like, I think it looks pretty fun. I don't know. And it ended up being it just ended up being this really low stakes fun show that ultimately had a really strong, you know, powerful message for the half of the Marvel fan base that doesn't usually get their moment in the seat. It's usually damaged men with daddy issues, you know, (laughs) talking about things. I loved that joke as well. Loki, Thor, same dad, two sets of daddy issues. I just thought a really wonderful, delightful show from start to finish. Like I was, you know, liking Werewolf by Night and She-Hulk. I feel like I like emerged from one of Blonsky's yurts like completely renewed. <laughs> and uh, and I was talking to 
my friend Mo, who's like, I guess he came around on Marvel because I, I don't know if he listened to our episode or just knows how I feel about it. But I was like, I think that the Marvel Cinematic Universe and I just needed like to go to couples therapy and like talk it out a little bit because <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. it can still be fun. And these two things, I think, really, really showed that. So speaking of couples therapy, uh, <laughs> with what we were talking about, Paul, with Werewolf by Night and Man Thing and then you know, like we were, the three of us were talking about like that energy between Daredevil and She-Hulk. I've noticed a pattern. This is, you know, a return to form for the podcast a little bit. I wanted to kind of gamify the ending of it a little and talk through. I think there've been six pairings in the shows and movies that have really stood out as like amazing power couples, uh, whether they're romantically or just like buddy comedy style, you know, with Daredevil and She-Hulk, obviously Jack Russell and Man-Thing, Kate Bishop and Yelena Belova is like, Please just make the movies all about them forever. You know, to a lesser extent, Moon Knight and Khonshu, uh, Falcon slash, you know, Captain America and the Winter Soldier at this point again. And then, you know, obviously Loki and Sylvie. I wanted to go through and like rank the MCU power couples and uh, put them in the order from least likable to most likable in your eyes. So, <laughs> okay. Um, Jenny, I, do you want to go first? The easy one for me is like when I was reading your thing, I was like, who is Jack Russell in Man Thing? I did not watch Werewolf. <laughs> that's six. That's, that's, that's easy one for me. So I'm going to put that at six. Easy, done. I'm not a horror, not a scare. I don't know. I don't know if it's that even horror. That one didn't interest me. Um, mine, I think, I'm, I think my, I'm, now I'm going to start number one though. I have to say, Kate and Yelena, I, I just freaking, I loved. I loved Hawkeye except the finale because I've hated all the Marvel finales, which is why I loved She-Hulk one so much. Yeah, sure. Um, mm-hmm. I just Kate and Yelena, their chemistry. That I want. I I am dying for their movie together. Mm-hmm. The chemistry is so great. So yeah, number one. After that, Daredevil and She-Hulk. Like when she looks at the camera, is like, I'm kind of feeling this. Are you feeling this? I was like, Yes, I am. I am like, feeling this. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm not like a shipper usually, as the kids say. I don't know. I'm 40. I feel weird saying shipper. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I I was in it. I was like, this this works. This that works. felt good. Um, after that, Cap and Falcon for sure. I I love them. I I loved them from Civil War on. I was like, yes, make it happen. Um, and then, gosh, I'm gonna say Moon Knight and Conchu because they kind of gave me the like Tom Hardy, um, Venom vibes that I really li- I liked their sure. their kind of buddy thing. And then, um, Loki and Sylvie. I freaking love Sylvie. But I still feel weird sometimes about that one. I I don't know. I kind of go back and forth on it. But I love Loki, and so I don't know. So yeah, and then Jack Russell at the bottom because I don't know who that is. Oh yeah, the the, 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 <laughs> the de facto number six. Interesting, <laughs> interesting strategy of saying last and then first and then filling the middle. It was like a. a, a that a, is the. Brain. <laughs> that was like an MCU power couple, like Hydrox cookie. Uh, Paul, go for it. Uh, let's see. I'll I'll start at the bottom. I'll go uh, least favorite to favorite. Um, uh, yeah, Moon Knight and Kanshu. I only made it through like two and a half episodes of Moon Knight, <laughs> so I don't know much about that. Um, after that, I will put um, uh, Loki and Sylvie. Not because I don't like it, just because I like other ones. What is, ha- what is happening, you guys? What are you doing? Yeah, uh, what are you guys doing um, to me? <laughs> 
If you had done Loki and uh, whatever Owen Wilson's character's name was, that'd be a better power couple for me. That's, in my eyes, I mean, but... that's a great, you can do that if you want to. This <laughs> okay. is completely made up and doesn't matter. So you can just say it. Yeah. I, I like that, that power couple. I like, um, uh, cap and winter soldier, uh, that combo only when they're repairing the boat. Sure. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, Jack, uh, I'll go Kate Bishop and Elena next. And then I, I really liked as, you know, I discussed when we talked about Werewolf by Night, my favorite part of the show was the finale, the very final scene between Jack Russell and Man Thing. I like their relationship a lot. And then number one for me, well, I'm going to say uh, second uh, second place for me is Daredevil and She-Hulk because you forgot the best power couple, John. Oh, boy. Long and Madison. Oh, I suck. I, uh, this, is all, this, whole, this whole endeavor is a waste of time because <laughs> yeah, I forgot to add her. Add her. Yeah, Madison with two eyes, but not where you think. <laughs> Yeah, she's. Uh, I really, I really fucked that up. Like they're, they're <laughs> so off. That's number one. I hope they're off somewhere watching like the good fight or something together. Um, I hope they do a whole like short with them or something. You know how they yeah. have those little like Marvel shorts yeah. or like digs. I really, I would, I would watch the hell out of that. Well, I didn't mention this, but the Wong joke at the end with uh, Blonsky, where he's like, "Oh, you got sucked into another TV show again, right?" And then <laughs> yeah. like. I th- you know the the idea of like watching it's you know this is the era of peak TV but I think the joke itself too is that just like Wong is like in every single Marvel <laughs> property like lately yeah. it's like every single Marvel movie has Wong in it lately uh, and he's just earning that money cashing those checks left and yeah, right good for him I know the the lineup you've all been waiting for is mine I've saved myself <laughs> for last no um, I think I'm gonna go number six is Moon Knight and Khonshu I did appreciate their their dynamic but i just it's 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 the one that i am the least excited to see again soon i think cap and winter Winter soldier after that just because like i think they're gonna be great going forward but that whole show just didn't really do it for me especially the finale was like one of the roughest things i've ever seen in my life where am i at now let's see um geez digging my own grave here this is like begrudgingly but like kate kate bishop and yelena at Sean, I don't regret putting Loki and Sylvie at the bottom now. Three. Uh, and then Jack Russell. No, what am I doing? Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'll flip it. Jenny, I'm sorry. Jack Russell and Man Thing. <laughs> then Kate and Yelena. Then Daredevil and She-Hulk. And then Loki and Sylvie. Because I just, that Loki and Sylvie relationship is like powerful to me. I love it. I do I, love it too. I feel, maybe I need to rewatch. It's been a while since I've seen Loki. I don't know. I just, I get that the whole variants of each other thing i don't know but i love sylvie do you think it's weird because he's basically in love with himself yeah like but I, <laughs> that's again, loki though yeah really if any character loved, would be yeah and i loved that show maybe i just need to rewatch that one because it's that seems like ages ago yeah. um but i don't know when i was going through the list the the kind of weird it's himself thing is what came into my mind <laughs> i watched it it didn't bother me so i don't know i think that's why i love it so much because he loki gets someone to love but he also learns to love himself yeah. literally and metaphorically through that relationship so <laughs> um, it totally makes sense I, the, all right maybe i redact that maybe i'll switch that around yeah, maybe I'll, I'll, maybe i put i would probably maybe switch and put moonlight below loki and sylvie there are you happy there you i am happy i'll go through and i'll, I'll go through and i'll edit your first run through out and then i'll just edit like loki and sylvie over the top of whatever it was before so well that was fun you guys yeah. just like she hulk and werewolf by night paul that was a lot of fun <laughs> 
female superhero show ever. I, I know. It's great. It's fantastic. I also, yeah, I think too, it's like, how are they going to put She-Hulk in anything going forward if she can just like do that? I don't know if that's... Just, I, don't know if that's I want to see how... I mean, I feel like She-Hulk and Deadpool have to like... Oh, no. In some way. <laughs> oh, boy. Jenny, he just bummed me out. <laughs> <laughs> If the, if the next time we see Jennifer yeah. Walters is in the Deadpool movie, I might just call it a life. Uh, <laughs> I would more see him showing up in She-Hulk season two because of the fourth wall breaking. I think that would be fun, him making a cameo in her show because it's more like, I don't know if I'd want to see her in his show. but I just don't want to see Deadpool at all. <laughs> That's <laughs> my issue. <laughs> Um, I, I gotta say their little promo thing with the Wolverine coming back I'm a sucker for it I was like yes that I, I almost made a whole episode about how I don't like that so <laughs> but then I was like no one wants to hear me just be like negative for a half hour about something that they're excited about so sure um, yeah th- there will not be a Deadpool episode of this of this show <laughs> but um <laughs> thank you both for being on the She-Hulk and Werewolf by Night episode of the show of Paul um go ahead and tell people where they can find you uh, yeah, you can find me um, over at the I Read Comic Books podcast. Uh, that is a podcast we do every week. We've been doing it for over seven years now. Um, that drops every Wednesday, everywhere you find podcasts. It's a rotating group of people doing it, so I'm not on every episode, but they always talk about great comics regardless, so check that out. They are at IRCB Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, so check that out. Paul, you're a great plugger. <laughs> thank you i have a lot of practice professional podcaster here john so. <laughs> um jenny go ahead and, um where can people find you oh i can't follow that <laughs> um you're a good um, plugger too much more awkward um you can find me at jenny marie studio it's jenny j-e-n-n-i-e not with a y <laughs> not too wise, not where you expect. Not where you think. Yeah, not where you think. <laughs> uh, Jenny Marie Studio. I paint um, nerdy uh, candle folders that you have to kind of see because I'm still really bad at describing them. But I've do, been doing a lot of Star Wars ones lately, which I, because that's kind of my first love. But I really would love to do some more Marvel ones. So um, yeah, that's kind of my plug. I, I want to do some more Marvel uh, designs. So yeah, I, I'm basically a, a artist. <laughs> Not nearly as smooth. <laughs> that, no, you did great. You can find her at yeah, Jenny Marie Studio on Instagram, and that's where all of your sales are done, correct? Yeah. Yeah, Instagram's the best way to find me. Maybe Paul can workshop with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> For sure. And you can find me on this podcast if you can follow us along at uh, B1Ed1Pod on Instagram. Rate, subscribe, and review us on Apple Podcasts. Ring the bell. Rate us five stars on Spotify. Thanks to Christian Cramo for our theme music. And again, yeah, thanks to Paul and Jenny for being here today. We will see you next time. There's a glut of content coming from this podcast <laughs> in the next couple of weeks, <laughs> sort of accidentally, not definitely not by design. So uh, once everything gets edited, it'll be out and, and you will be able to listen to it. So just let us know what you think. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.